0: So today is the 4th of July weekend, so for a moment, would you turn to someone around you and say, happy 4th of July? I know that was yesterday. I understand that, right? Yes, today's the 5th. No need to rain. Yeah, yeah. But we're still celebrating. Some of you were up late last night with your own fireworks show. You know, you got your redneck on and and got that. All. Now you got to go home and clean up all the mess from all of that, right? That you left last night. Great time to celebrate. We're so thankful that God has graced us to live in this great country. And and before we get started in our. ...discussion this morning from the book of Matthew chapter 11. If you have your Bibles or devices, you can go ahead and go there. Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse 1. I want to say that we are so very thankful to all of those that have served in the military and that are currently serving in the military. Those of you that are here in the room with us today, those of you that are worshiping from church at home, that we're so thankful for you. Also, I want to say that we're extremely thankful also for all of our law enforcement officers who protect us, who work in in this world today. We're so very thankful for them and all our first responders And and I just wanted to make sure that we let you know that we are grateful. We are extremely grateful. The freedom that we have to come together today doesn't come free, right? We know that, that it comes with a great price. And so we want to say thank you so much for your service and your continued service. Uh, with to this great country so in light of this being fourth of july weekend for the next and for the next few uh, couple of weeks together i want to talk to you about war and you say mark that's a strange topic but it works real well today right that we're at war and so pick your battles but i did not pick this one that's going to make sense in a moment i think but have you ever noticed that sometimes in this life, battles choose us? I don't know if you've ever noticed that or not, but battles choose us. My mom always taught me that I should uh, pick the battles that I'm, I'm willing to fight. I should be selective. You know, there's things like choose the hills you're willing to die on, things like that, that we know that we have heard growing up. But it seems more often in life, I think, that battles choose us. It does. And that being, or this being the weekend it is, you know, that... Especially since I have Grayson home with us still, you know, for just a few more weeks, actually, that we always like on these weekends to watch an epic war film. I don't know if you like those or not, right? So could you for a moment, you've already met the person next to you. Could you say, could you tell them what is the most epic war movie you've ever seen? Could you turn to someone around you and say that to them? What's the most epic war movie you've ever seen? You say, well, I don't watch war movies, you know, kind of deal. Share with them your favorite Disney film, then, right? yes. That's sort of the extent of the, of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, we always kind of watch. That's just sort of a tradition. In 2001, in 2001, the movie Pearl Harbor came out. And so, we were so excited in 2001 about this movie because, you know, we, uh, we like war movies at our house. All of us guys do. And Reba does not usually, right? So we, we subject her to those things against her will. And, and so we, the movie came out Pearl Harbor. And so Chad, my oldest and I, that we were excited because we were going to go see this together, just the two of us. Right. And so we all planned we got it, you know, put together our plans. And so we went to see it unbeknownst to us. The 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 um, Pearl Harbor movie in 2001 was what is called a romantic war drama. Now, isn't that weird term, right? Romantic war drama. I don't quite understand the term, but yet I did after I went to see it. So the two of us guys get together. It's a real manly moment kind of thing. You know, we're going to see a war movie together. We go during the week. That was the way it worked out in our plan. But we had no idea. It wasn't really necessarily a war movie, but it was a love story with love scenes involved in In the war movie. And and so here are, we show up at the theater, two dudes ready for a war movie. And we're the only two people in the entire theater. We're the only two people. There are no one else but the two of us, okay? So there's two dudes sitting there waiting for Pearl Harbor to come on. It comes on, and all of a sudden, here's all this romance, and here's all these love scenes, and it got really weird. It, it just got kind of weird. And so somewhere halfway through the movie, we decided, in case somebody else came in or whatever, that we moved away from each other. and We sat in different places in the theater. We did, because it was just a strange kind of feeling, us sitting there, Doing these romantic scenes of just the two of us watching that, you know. And it was kind of an odd thing. Yes. And 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 I thought today, as I stand in front of this great this great flag, you know, and and I realize that we are, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, that we are citizens of a, a greater kingdom, and that is the kingdom of God. And I do understand that. But what I realize as I stand in front of this great flag today, that that is it has been secured over. Many, many battles, and it's humbling to stand before it. Just the ability to display it today has been paid for with the blood and the lives of many of God's creation. And what I realize about this flag, too, is that more than often, this, uh, this flag that battles have chose it, that battles have come against it, and this great nation that you and I live in today has responded to tyranny all over the world. Battles seem to choose us at times, don't they? Yeah, they do. There's the war for our minds. I thought about that this week. There's the war for the peace that we desperately need in very uncertain times which we are living today. There is a war in our lives for some stability. I want stability, you know? I I leaned over to Reba this morning, and I'm very thankful that you are here, but you know I'm extremely honest with you, and I'm just transparent. It's kind of the way I am, and and, uh, I, I just, I just want, I don't know. I don't know how to say this. I, I just want church to be back. Like it was, is it, is it, is that too, is that wrong of me to say that? I, I just want that. And, and I realize that things have changed in the world. I understand that. And, and I'm glad you're here. So we're having church and I'm not saying we're not, but I just kind of want things because I miss people and I miss faces. And I miss conversations. I really do. I, I want some stability back in, into the world, somewhat. You know, I want to know if I have to wear a mask or I don't. I, I don't know, right? You know, you. I, I, how many of you have rolled up to a place, you know, since this time, and you kind of sit in your car and you watch to see how many people walk in and wearing masks or not wearing masks to determine whether you're going to wear one. Raise your hand, anybody? See there? Yes. Look at that. Hey, yeah, it's peer pressure, right? The mask is on. Boom, it's on. I'm in with it. You know, everybody else is kind of loose and fancy free. I'm. It's off. So. To deal i you know i'm i'm really wanting that in my life are we going to have football in the fall or not you know that's a huge thing right that's a big decision absolutely you know and what i realized too that outside dining in the middle of july in south carolina is just not compatible it's not who wants to sit out there and eat while you're sweating like mowing your grass at home i mean i, I don't want that yes <laughs> so i realized that sometimes battle choose battles choose us so what are you talking about? Where there's a couple of things, like these are the kinds of conflicts that you and I face in our life. There's a normal conflicts of our life. There is, that I don't know if you've ever experience this, but when you get ready to read your Bible, you know, you get ready to do your devotional. Have you ever noticed that you're never sleepy until you open the Bible? I don't know if you've noticed that or not, right? Yes. It's like the Bible has some melatonin effect on your life. It it really is. You say, Mark, I've been trying to do this study through the book of Leviticus and I'm just struggling to stay awake. Well, maybe the problem is Leviticus. I don't know, right? Yes, it, it possibly could be. It's a great book. It really is. It's like, but when you open the Bible that your power cable to your life becomes detached, Yes. Uh, Last week, Reba's driving home, driving through our neighborhood, just like everybody else drives down the same street, you know. And she pulls up in the uh, driveway and she says, the little the the screen on the front of the car says, one of our tires is losing air. And, And so there had been somebody putting a roof on up the street. Well, everybody else is driven by that house. Reba's the one that drives by the house and picks up a nail in our tire. So we see this big nail, nice, fresh nail right off our neighbor's roof, you know, right in our tire, pulls it into the drive, our garage. We have to go somewhere. We're going to use her car. So we decide, no, what we'll do, we'll go in my car. But hey, what we realized, my air conditioning is not working in my car and it's 95 degrees. So, you know, I'm a Christian. Life should be easier, right? Life should be easier. Yes, you set aside to pray at home, a time to pray, and you, you lay your phone down, you put your phone on vibrate because you never know, you might be an emergency, your children need you, so your phone vibrates. Oh, you fight the urge, do I get it, do I don't? I've got to pray, this is my time, I set aside for the Lord. You look at it, oh, it's a Facebook notification, right? And it's so important for you to know and I to know what somebody had for dinner last night. It really is, that's really important in life, yes. And what I realize too, it's the battle of distraction within our lives also, then what I understand is God, uh, that the enemy of our lives wins or has to win the battle in our mind before he wins the battle of our hearts. Yes. And then I realize, you know, there are those strategic conflicts of my life in your life. Yes, that I'm prepared to attend church, you know, whether on campus or, or those that are at church at home. So you get up in the morning, you get your coffee ready. Man, you get all the kids on the couch. You Maybe you're watching in your pajamas, your best pajamas kind of thing, you know, for church. And you're, and you're watching there or you're coming to church on campus and, and you're ready to go. The car's all warmed up and are cooled down, I should say, right? Yes. and And all of a sudden the phone rings. Hey, it's your boss from work. And they say, listen, we're shorthanded this morning at, at work on Sunday morning. Could you come in? If you can't, don't worry about it. I, it's, it's all good. But you can make time and a half plus eight more dollars an hour if you come in and work, right? And so you look at all of your family are sitting on the couch. They're ready for church at home. Or you look and you realize they're all dressed. and ready to come to church on campus. And, and then, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Well, Mark, is this a test? No, it's just it's 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 life. Yeah, it's life. It really is. There's those strategic conflicts within our lives. Yes. Maybe you've gotten serious with God, and because of getting serious with God, that you've had to cut off a destructive relationship in your life. I don't know if you've ever had a destructive relationship or not. I don't want you to raise your hand because maybe you're sitting next to that destructive relationship, right? And so maybe this is another time for that kind of honesty. But yet, right, you, and so you cut that relationship off. Man, you're ready to really get serious with God in your life. This has been a struggle for you. And and then right after this service today, whether at home or here on campus, that what happens is you get a text, you look at it, and this is person, and they're saying, hey, I really want to get back together with you because I have changed, right? Yes. Is that a strategic conflict of your life? And then I think, thirdly, there's these heart-rendering conflicts of our lives. Those moments when our plans and God's plans are not on the same page. I don't know if you've ever had those before, but I have them all the time. Yeah. It's those moments as we're going to talk about John in the book of Matthew, chapter 11, starting at verse 1. It's those moments when God doesn't perform like we want God to perform. It's those moments in our lives when bad things happen to good people. It's those moments in our life when things are just absolutely out of control in in the world around us. And I just simply, I, I, I just want to know what's happening in this crazy world. And I want to know where God is in all of this. And I think what we do is we approach life with some assumptions. And I think one of those assumptions that we approach life with is this, that the Christian life is a life of ease. And I want to tell you, it is an absolute, the most fulfilling way to live in this world, but it's not always an easy life. It's not. And another assumption is that, that our walk with God takes no effort on our part, and that's absolutely untrue. And when I look at John the Baptist and John and Matthew chapter one, what I realize is that God uses very imperfect vessels in scripture, and I'm thankful for that to simply call us to greater places in him. He does. Do you see that the war in your life today possibly is a moment for you to grow and to mature in God? Do you see that in your life? That yes, we live in America, which is a great land of opportunity. Not perfect, and there's a lot of things in our culture that have to be fixed and addressed. I understand that. But yet, it's a great land of opportunity. But there's greater opportunity in the kingdom of God afforded to you and I by the gospel. That of the gospel of Christ working within our lives. But we're at war. We need to realize that. We are at war. So Matthew chapter 11 Verse one says this. And when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now with John and and it is John the Baptist. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent he sent word by his disciples and said to him, one of the most profound questions and puzzling questions we find in Scripture. Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? This is John the Baptist that's asking this question. And what I realize is this. The deeds of Christ are no surprise to him. He is the one that proclaimed him. He is the one that proclaimed him as being Christ. So he's not, you know, it's written to almost as if one, you think, is what Jesus is doing a surprise to John? Or one, is Jesus not doing what John needs Jesus to do at this very moment in his life? And I think it is absolutely the second, is what that is. Yes. Because, you know, John the Baptist is raised as a good Hebrew young man, so he knows the Old Testament scriptures. He knows scriptures like Isaiah 61 and 1, which pertains to the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of prison to those who are bound. Yes. So what happens when you and I. Here today are at church at home. What happens when you and I. Find ourselves in a position like John the Baptist. Well what kind of position is he in? You know he's sitting there saying. Well Lord here I am in prison. At the mercy of this bitter queen Jezebel, this twisted daughter of hers, this manipulative king, and, and Lord, this is not looking good, so I need a jailbreak about now, God. That's exactly what he's wanting. I need a jailbreak in my life about now. Lord, you know, you kind of, and I'm paraphrasing, you know we're tight, God, you know we're cousins, you know, you, you know that we're really tight, God. And 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 I wonder, John knows all the things that Jesus is supposed to be doing, but he's wondering, do I need to look for another? And sometimes, can I tell you, we have the gospel before us. We have the gospel before us in in the scriptures, but yet sometime in our lives, the gospel is not enough. And I'm not making that as a declarative statement because I know it's enough. But for sometimes what we read in there is just not enough for us. So what about this struggle of expectation? What about this struggle of expectancy in your life? Hey, you know, when I came to Christ, I thought that things were going to get better or at least a little easier in my life. So so what about that? You know, no more no more red lights at traffic lights for me because they're all green now because I'm living under the favor of God, right? So they're all green. I may take a yellow light every once in a while, but you know, God, God is favoring me. I get the absolute best parking spot at Walmart and Target. No matter what time of day that I go, I get the very first one closest to the store I do. Yes, and there's always a chicken sandwich available for me at Popeye's in the drive-thru. They never run out for me. Yes, I know for some of you, I just forsook the Christian chicken. And I apologize for that, right? Yes, yes, we could have a debate about chicken sandwiches. That's another time. There's no more obnoxious people in my life. They're all gone. But what about the words of Christ when he tells us, in this world there's going to be tribulation, but be of good cheer. What about what about those words to you and I? Have we forgotten that we live in and it's a Theological term we use so much here. The already but the not yet. Have we forgotten that our redemption is paid for? That with the life of Christ? Absolutely. But the completion of our redemption comes at the return of Christ. When he makes all things uh, right and all things new. And he writes all wrongs. Have we forgot that? We go about our lives every day living as if we have forgotten those things. John is living in a battle of expectation, listen. Let's just get this out. You know this. I know this. Let's just say it. You know. Let's kind of expose the the elephant in the room kind of deal. That God does not always act the way we expect Him to act, does He? Right? Because He is God, and He does whatever He wants. John has recognized His identity, but now he's discouraged and he's doubting. This is a battle of that John is facing. It seems greater than what he's able to endure. But it's not something that's uncommon to you and I with other Bible characters. It's not you you can read about other you can read about Elijah. Elijah calls down fire at Mount Carmel to simply rid the nation of all of idols, all the idols. But when not all the idols are taken out of the nation, he asks God to take his life. When David is struggling as he's pursued by Saul, that David has this opportunity to kill Saul, to commit murder, to take Saul out of the picture and relieve all of this pressure in his life. But he does doesn't do that maybe you've been there before you know maybe you you thought you know i can take this into my own hands and i can just eliminate all this in my life and i think that's exactly where john is john is locked in prison john knows this impending thing that he's going to lose his head and that's not a pun or a joke either because he does right he's going to lose his head over this situation and he, and he looks at Jesus' life and what is Jesus is doing right now and of all the things that John said Jesus was going to do he's doing Jesus is doing none of them because John says in the gospels John says in the book of Matthew chapter 3 that Jesus is going to come and he's going to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit yes he's doing that i know but then he's going to preach with fire And he's going to take all the wicked. He's going to throw them in like a big bonfire of wicked people. And he's going to get rid of all of those. What is Jesus out doing? Jesus is not out firing up the furnace. Jesus is about what? Making the blind see. He's raising the dead. He's causing the lame to walk. He's setting those that are demonically bound free. That is what Jesus is doing. And John does not understand because Jesus is not doing what he expected him to do. We struggle with expectation life. When it comes to God, because I want God to do what I said that he was going to do for me. And he doesn't always do that. And I think it comes down to this second thing is this. It's just our struggle of understanding. It's how we understand all of this. Look at verse four and Jesus answered him. So Jesus gives an answer to John. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the poor have good news preached to them. Blessed. And he says this. Look at verse six is really a profound word from God. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. What does that mean? Those are the words of Christ. What does that mean? It means that. Our expectation sometimes of God our unfounded expectations of God can lead to great misunderstanding within our lives. That when I realize that when I look at scripture, the scripture answers almost all questions in my life. And I know that John knows that. He knows the writings of Isaiah. He understands those things. But at that point in his life, that's just not enough for him. John 18 and 3 says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. And my kingdom is not from this world. Hey, go back to the book of Isaiah, which John would have heard growing up in the temple. Isaiah 61 and 1, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither your ways or my ways, declares the Lord. Because if I really understand all the ways of God... Then I, don't I almost become like him in, in, in some ways? Yes. And listen, I don't want the job of God, even though I like to play the part of God sometimes. I don't, I don't like that. And what I realize is this, as I walk through this life and I have these expectations and I'm seeking for this understanding, it all comes back to this, I think, in my life, that my citizenship is in heaven, that my citizenship is in heaven. This earth is my home. Yes. But my citizenship is in heaven. It's just like being an American citizen, or I don't know what country maybe you're a citizen of today. But just like being a citizen of the United States of America, that I can live anywhere else. I can live in another country. I can live in Italy, you know, and, and I could live there because I like Italian food. So I could live there and, and that would be great. But it never makes me an Italian as long as I retain my citizenship in, in America. And so it's the citizenship that really is the marker of our lives. And when I go through this world, what I have to realize is this, that I'm a citizen of heaven. That changes everything. That really does. That this is just my home. So God, what is this all about? Then I don't know if you've ever asked that kind of question to God. But God, what is this all about? That this is war. There's casualties and there's difficulties and there's hardship in this life. I mean, that's the truth of the matter. There's going to be times when I just kind of fold my arms and I say you know I just don't know I don't know if you've said that recently or not yeah I just don't know right you're standing in front of your television shaking your head or whatever and you're saying I just don't know because I don't know and this is John the Baptist who does have some understanding of who Christ is and none of what Jesus is doing is a surprise to him But Jesus is just not doing what John the Baptist needs him to do at that moment in his life. But what he forgets in in that moment, and I can't throw rocks at him or judge him because I can't imagine the pressure that he's under at that moment, that ultimately he knows that God is in control of all things. That Jesus would say to him, I believe, paraphrase that, John, this is not about you getting out of jail. And this is, this is about me doing the work of the Father, revealing the heart of the Father as you have made the way for me to come into this world you know, John, you thought that I was going to come and I was going to make this big Holy Ghost fire and I was going to burn all the wicked people up in the middle of that and all that kind of thing. But now I'm out doing and revealing the love of Christ through healing the blind and making the lame walk and cleansing lepers. And hey, later on in the book of Acts, I'm going I'm to break Peter out of jail. Absolutely, I'm going to do that. Yes, but John, you have a purpose to fulfill in this life because you're a citizen of heaven. You're not a citizen of this earth. There's a greater purpose for you in life. And John, is going to cost you your life. But this is your home. You're not a citizen of this world. Well, I thought God would. That's expectation, right? Yes. Well, I just don't understand. That's that understanding issue. And I think it comes down to the understanding of really who God is and God's character and God's nature. Can I tell you, and it's this, God is for you today. Realize that. God is not your enemy. Understand that. Yeah, if you write anything down, you know, and if you don't have well, you don't have notes, right? Because we don't pass those out right now. But you know, if you got a pen, write it in the palm of your hand. God is not my enemy. You need to realize that that God is not your enemy. So it brings us to the struggle of good and evil, and there is a struggle in this world of good and evil. There's times when things happen in your life that you disagree with and you don't understand. How do you navigate that? How are you navigating now? You know How are you navigating this moment in your life? How are you working your way through this moment today within your life? What is the struggle in your life? Because we're at war. How do you make Christ known in those moments? It's Matthew 11, verse 7. Can I finish the story about John the Baptist? Verse 7 of Matthew 11. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. And I love these words of Christ. What did you, what did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. And I think this is perhaps a very powerful statement for someone in the room today. Just because he doubts, just because John the Baptist doubts, it doesn't change who John the Baptist is. Realize that. Some of you need to be set free from this bondage that you have to live some perfect life in the, in, in the eyes of God and that God is waiting for some perfect point in your life to then to step in and say, Oh, I love you and I'm so proud of you. God loves you right where you are, even when you doubt. He does. Look at verse 8. What then did you go out to see a man dressed in soft clothing? I'm not sure what that is. You know, like fancy clothing, I guess. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. And we know that John, you know, he lives in the wilderness. He eats wild honey and locusts is what the man does, right? I can picture him probably has very long hair, big beard kind of deal. A, a burly guy, you know, he, and, and he's wearing animal skins and he's yelling at people to repent. He's a different guy. He really is. He said, but what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. But John's still in jail. But he's still a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Did you know in scripture there's not one miracle connected to the name John the Baptist? He doesn't perform miracles, yet Jesus considers him the greatest. And Jesus is the authority of who's great. John's going to be beheaded shortly at the bequest of a a scornful queen working manipulatively through this deranged daughter of hers as she dances and speaks before an incestuous king. There's nothing beautiful about that picture, is there? And Jesus says, no one greater. God could have stepped in and turned the times and he could have turned the tables and he could have made it all different. Have you ever been in that moment in your life? That moment where you allow your mind to go that place and you say, God, you could have turned the tables. You could have made this different, Lord. You could have stepped in and you could have done something that would have changed all this. But you didn't. God is not your enemy. He is for you and not against you. You are a citizen of heaven and you just live here on this earth. So there is greater purpose and greater call upon your life. Verse twelve says, "For the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violence take it by force." That what I realize that our role in life is determined by grace, absolutely. But grace is not ease, or grace is not re- erase my responsibility as a human. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, Jesus says, let him hear. He says, listen to these things. So this week I I wrote something in my journal and I want to end with this because this is personal for me to to share this from my journal with you today because we all struggle with expectation, don't we? We all do. Well, God, I, I thought you would do this. And then we come to that understanding part and we say, God, I just don't understand because I know you're capable. See, that's exactly where John is. John knows, man, he's the one that kneeled before Jesus at the Jordan and says, I'm unworthy to even unlatch your sandals. He's the same God. And then there's this battle of good and evil. And some of you in this room, some of you in this room at times in life have thought that God has perpetuated evil against you have because of what's happened in your life. Can I tell you there is an enemy of your life today. This is where there is an enemy. The day that you accepted Christ you made that move toward God that Satan who once maybe was your partner in life became your most diabolical enemy and he hates you hates you. He hates your family. He hates everything about you. But I want to say to you today, God is not your enemy. God is not your enemy. And I know that there are people in this room whom I love greatly, who have lost things very dear to you. And you've had those thoughts in your mind that God is your enemy and God has perpetrated perpetrated evil toward you. And can I tell you something beautiful about our God today? God doesn't look at you and say, if you think that about me, I'm done with you. I'm going to move on to someone else. You know what God does? God presses into you deeper. God comes closer. God draws you nearer to him. Because John the Baptist says, hey... Are you the one or do I need to go look for somewhere else? You know, and God could have said, dude, go look for somewhere else. I'm done with you. No, but what does God say about John the Baptist? Never has there been anybody born of women greater than him. Because God is not your enemy. He loves you. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. But trust him. So for a moment, bow your heads with me, please. And can I take a moment to pray with you and to pray for you? Father, in this moment, when our hearts are open to your spirit, when our thoughts are laid bare to you, when your word has exposed who we are in a very loving but yet powerful way. God, there's probably every one of us in this room, Lord, you know us, that we're your creation, that we have struggled at moments with things that you do in our life or you don't do. There are times that we've even thought that you were the enemy. But God, today we trust you that we realize that you have a greater work, that we are not citizens of this world so that, God, we are loyal to a greater kingdom and that is yours. And that loyalty, God, is not always easy. But yet, God, we are here to make you known to the world even when we don't understand even when our expectations seem to be crushed, even when we think that, God, sometimes you have perpetrated evil toward us, today we again say that you are for us and you are not against us. And so we trust you today. We trust you today in our lives. So, Lord, as the kingdom has been taken by violence we take the kingdom by violence lord and that is we press in we press in past past all the untruths and we press into the truth today that you are for us in this life and we give you thanks and your amazing name we pray